Colin said, uh, we are being, we've been doing this, this series of unsung heroes, and basically it's just people that you think you know, are these incredible Bible heroes, and yet the, the way they started was so odd, and perhaps even sometimes they started in a way that dis, would disqualify them. Um, and we can relate to a lot of this in our own lives. We can see that uh, a lot of the char- characteristics that these, these heroes carried, you know, a lot of the way they started was very rough. Some were forgotten, some were just completely dismissed, some had labels put upon their lives, and we'll do a, a quick review. But before we do that, check out this video. Um, just watch this video. Now, it's not a Christian video, so don't freak out on me. And the ending's a little weird, but I want you to, I want you to, start, to start to see the imagery that's happening in this video as we play this. Bring lights down a little bit. It's your job. It's your job. Where's the drama?
Uh, hopefully, hopefully you caught all the little, the little imageries in that video. You know, it's just uh, there's so many people that are trapped, and you could see that they, all these young people are trapped in kind of an insane asylum or an institution, and these doctors were trying to shove... Uh, is that going to play again? Okay, good. Um, the doctors were trying to shove pills down their throat. It so typifies this generation. And, you know, you have the one girl with the wings, and you can tell it had blood on it, and people were trying to look like they were trying to cut them off, and other people that were experimenting with their own, their own superhero powers, if you will. And, um, and you're like, well, dude, that, that kind of stunk that the guy jumped off the building and died at the end. But, you know, it's such a picture of Christ setting us free so that we could fly, so that we could run, so that we could be free. And he gave his life for us so that we could discover the hero inside of us. As Colin said, so he could become the hero inside of us. So I just wanted to show that video tonight, kind of pre, preempts what we're going to talk about, just these unsung heroes, these heroes that look like they have so many problems, these heroes that look like they got so much baggage, heroes that look like they, they could never be the people that you had expected move movements to make mountains move, to defeat armies. And that's exactly the people who God always seems to use, isn't it? You know, it's just the, it's the unsung hero. It's the one that doesn't look like they've got their act together. It's the one that doesn't look like they've got all the, the pieces together. It's the one that looks like all their emotions aren't, you know, completely stable. Or they're, you know, everything's not perfect. They don't dress just right. They don't act just right. They don't talk just, like, just right. I mean, that, just, that, that video, I thought, just captured every one of those things. And then the tagline just said, we're, all we're looking for is love and a little light. All we're looking for is love and a little light. Isn't that the cry of this generation? Just, would you just show us the light and love us? Would you just love us and show us light? So I thought you guys would enjoy that. And there's just, there's just a lot of stuff going on in there, obviously. But uh, anyway, there you go. That's my uh, little dubstep EDM video for the night. Okay, here's a quick review. First week, we talked about people who feel like they're not qualified. David felt like, hey, I'm just a shepherd. I was forgotten. I wasn't even invited to the party when you guys anointed the king. And uh, I'm not qualified. I don't have the qualifications. I don't have the background. I don't have the degree. I don't have the title. I don't have whatever it is the Americans and people say that you need to have today to lead. I don't have it. And that's what David felt. The second one was what my past disqualifies me. We talked about Paul being literally an, a, an, like an ISIS member. He was targeting believers. He was targeting Christians and killing them for the sake of his religious cause. And, uh, and his past continually came up. And he's like, man, my past is just too bad. I can't, be used of, uh, I can't be used of God. I can't be used. These are excuses that heroes use or unsung heroes can use. Jacob, he said, I've got too many labels. Man, my whole, my whole name is cheater. My whole name is deceiver. My whole name, my, every time someone says my name, I'm reminded of who I really am. I mean, just think about that. What if your name was Dirtbag? Hello, Dirtbag. You know, every time someone said your name, it reminded you of the, of, the, of the real place you had in this world. That's what Jacob would feel. Every time someone would say his name, he would automatically refer to deceiver, cheater, uh, manipulator, right? Finally, last week, I have a big dream, or my dream is too big to be used of God. My dream is way too crazy. No one's going to believe my dream. No one's going to accept my dream. We see that so clearly in the life of Joseph. Tonight, mighty men gather in a cave. This is going to be fun tonight. It's going to be fun. We'll talk about some really unsung heroes. David could have said this, I don't have the right people. I don't have the right people. Before they were known as David's mighty men, his 37 heroes 
were known for something else. Now, 400 initially gathered with David, we know, in the cave of Adullam as he, as he escaped the, the city of Gath. But uh, let's look at this. Go to your Bibles, 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2. We knew them when. Now, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Check this out. Here's David's, here's David's call to fame. Here's, here's a qualifi- qualifier to be part of David's family. You ready? All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Come on, somebody. Yeah, how about that? Here's your team. Here's your business plan. Here's your new model for ministry. Here's who I'm going to give you. All those who are in debt discontented and distressed have fun 400 of them <laughs> hey man sometimes it's good to have 30 people you know what i'm saying because 400 400 distressed in debt discontented people could drive you nuts think about it in debt discontented and distressed here's your people here's your church here's your team here are the people that i'm sending you to rally around your cause David's got to be shaking his head like, oh my word, are you kidding me? So, how, so, so can you imagine as he's recruiting people coming to the cave? Hey, where's David? He's, up, he's hanging out in the cave. Cool. Hey, what's your name? Uh, John. Hey, John, what's your story? Man, I'm $150,000 in debt. I got the cops looking for me. I, I, I lost two homes. I'm divorced. I'm distressed and discontented. I'm emotionally wrecked and I'm looking for something more. Welcome! How sweet! You're exactly who we're looking for! Come on in, baby! That qualifies you! What it really means here is people, people were gathering to something. What their life had left them, they were looking for something more. They are looking for something greater. Check this out. Before we can go on, we've got to find out where David was coming from. Gath means a wine vat or a wine press. A place where things are pressed. A a place where things are crushed. A place where things are beaten. A place where things are are destroyed to create something out. And that's cool. That's what Gath means. It means a place where, you know, you were once one thing. You were once a grape. And now I'm going to press you into wine. You were once one thing. You were once a character that represented this person. But when you leave Gath, you're going to leave a different person because you've just been crushed and broken and squeezed into something new. Isn't that cool? I thought it was pretty cool. All right. So anyway, some facts about Gath. One of the royal cities of the Philistines is actually the birthplace of Goliath. Sometimes it's good for us to move from our places of giants. Come on, somebody. It's good for us to move from our places of those things that so kept us in fear and trembling and trepidation. It's good to move from those places that keep us broken and crushed into a new place. that good? Gath means to be crushed. To be broken. It's a place of giants. It's a place, it is a stronghold of the enemy. Come on, you tracking with me? It's a stronghold of the enemy, and David's like, I've got to get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Sometimes you realize when doors just stop opening for you, it's time for you to move on. Sometimes you realize when God puts glass in the nest and you're so uncomfortable and you just gotta fly. You just I got to do something different. Because where I am, 
is making me miserable. Where I am is I just know God's got something better. I know God's got something new. I know I've been, I've been crushed. My character's been changed. My attitude's been strengthened. My, my resolve is it's resolved. So I've got to move on. I've been broken. I've been crushed. I'm, I'm different. God, move me. Anybody ever pray that prayer? God, move me from this place of breaking. My bones are broken and my spirit is crushed. My soul has been undone. And yet it has made me into a person that I'm so thankful that I am. It's made me into a person that understands other people's pain a little bit more. It's made me into a person that has compassion a little bit more for people because I know I've walked through that. It's made me a little bit more understanding when somebody has distress problems or debt problems or discontented problems because you know what? That's a place of gas for me. Sometimes you've got to spend some time in gas. You've got to be broken. You've got to get crushed because you'll never make it to your odellum until you've been changed. You'll never make it to your cave of peace until you've been changed in the wine press of gas. Is this good? I, I, well, I might just be preaching to me tonight. Hello. Hey, Adullam means this, the glory of Israel. Isn't that incredible? The glory of Israel is where? In a cave. The glory of Israel is hiding out in a cave. It's a cave between Bethlehem and Gath, so it's right in this little area. David, as a shepherd, knew that he could retreat into a cave, understanding that caves provided shelter, understanding caves provided shelter from enemies, from the wind, from the rain, from the elements. But Adela means the glory of Israel. This is where David ran to. He must have known that the place of silence, the place of darkness, the place of being hidden is really not such a bad place at all. You see, sometimes we think that when we're hidden, we think that God's forgotten us. We think that God has just forgotten our, our anointings and our callings, and we keep going through the same routine every single day. And for 12 years, we, stand, we sit in a cave waiting for God to show up because we're anointed freaking king, and here we are hiding out in a cave. And like, where are you, God? Did you forget me? And God's like, no, dude, I've got you exactly where you're supposed to be. See, the glory of God is hidden in the secret. The glory of God is hidden in the unknown. The glory of God is hidden in the not so popular. The glory of God is hidden in the cave. And I hope you guys are getting this tonight. I know it's like drinking from a hydrant. Hey, we knew them when they were, number one, they were in distress. Distress means my emotions are out of control. That's what distress literally means. I am emotionally unstable. All right, see, I just want to put this in perspective, <laughs> especially as a church or a business or however you're, whatever your sphere, maybe some students, maybe you're building a ministry, maybe you're building a program, maybe you're working with people in customer relations, and you deal with people like this all the time. They're emotionally wrecked, and they get emotionally wrecked over the silliest things. Isn't that the truth? So I was picking up my dog the other day at the, at the, uh, the groomer's, and, uh, you know, he's a little French dog. He's, <laughs> he's French. So there you go. Uh, and he comes out. Well, a lady was right before me, and she had a little foo-foo dog, you know, whatever. And uh, she was going out of control because the groomer didn't cut the dog's nails right. And I stood there, and I thought, how sad that you 
you're emotionally distraught right now because your dog's nails aren't cut correctly. And I thought, man, lady, put that in perspective. You know, what's going on around the world. If you could just for a moment step outside of your little world right now and realize how silly that really is. But you know that's exactly who David gathered to himself. Someone just like that woman worried about her dog's toenails. Hey, how are you? My name's Joan. Yeah, Joan. Welcome to the cave of Adullam. I'm glad you're here. So tell me about you. I just went off the other day. Why? What happened, sweetheart? The vet. He screwed up my dog's toenails. Can you imagine David like trying to relate? Do you see where we are? Right? I'm running for my life. We're fighting the Philistines. I just came from Gath. I mean, Gath doesn't even sound nice. Right? Hey, where are you going? Gath. Hey, where do you guys want to go out to eat? Gath. Let's go, let's go get some gaff. Great. Sounds like something with a lisp. I don't want to go there, okay? That's what that means. I, want to, I really want this to hammer us tonight because these are the people that are all around us. They're emotionally distraught over the silliest things. My car didn't get washed right. Oh my God. Michael and you guys probably deal with that all the time at BMW. Yeah. <laughs> emotionally distraught people over their cars. Emotionally distraught people over the silliest things at the supermarket because, I don't know, they ran out of your mayonnaise. I know it sounds so silly sitting here tonight and we're talking about it, but watch, watch start to watch people and how silly people are in their emotions. And that's what really what this means. If you're in distress, it means you're emotionally unstable. But these are the people that David was gathering. God was sending him. Hey, you want a church? Great. I got some awesome people for you. Hi, my name's Lonnie. Hi, I'm, I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. What's wrong, Bob? I'm emotionally erect. And you know, as a pastor, you're like, oh, come on. Can I get a, can I get a normal person? <laughs> I know we're all, we're all saying that tonight, right? Hey, we're all normal, right? No, we're all wrecked. We're all jacked up somehow, man. But that's who God wants. That's who God's using. That's who God is asking us to save through His Holy Spirit. Secondly, I'm in debt. I owe more than I'm worth. That's literally what debt means. I owe more than I'm worth. I am beholding to someone else for my life. Back in this day, people who were in debt literally had to go into slavery to pay their debt off. So basically, David's inheriting a bunch of emotionally wrecked people who should be, you know, on Xanax. The second thing they're, they're, they're in, he's inheriting is people who are in debt, who are absolutely running for their lives. Hey, who are you? Uh, I'm a slave. Great. And he's looking behind his shoulder, right? Where's your master? I'm sure he's going to come up at any time with 30 out 6 and blow our head off, right? I mean, that, that's literally what that meant. If you're in debt, you were slave, you were slave to somebody, they were running from a master. Number finally, discontented. Discontented means simply this. I'm longing for something more. I need something more. What this current kingdom has offered is not enough. I'm longing for something greater. I'm longing for something more. So good. These are the people God was sending David. I would put them in the unsung hero department, wouldn't you? I mean, not so great. Here's, here's your guys, David. Here are your mighty men. The beautiful thing about David is he saw something inside of each one of these people 
before they could see them see it themselves. I'll say it again. He saw something inside of each one of these people before they could see it themselves. See, that's a great leader. A great leader will see an emotionally wrecked person who's worried about their BMW or their car or their, their dog's toenails and look at them and say, you know what, I see so much more in you. The problem is most of us today stop at the surface and we never get past that. We never see past through the lens of judgment and get to the lens of love and see them as Jesus saw them and say, man, wow, lady, you have got a great potential in Jesus. I mean, can you imagine how that would change her life sitting in the dog groomer's place? Really? With Foofy's nails. I know Foofy's nails and I'm sorry. But your life is about to change, baby. Think about it. Perspective. Looking through the lens of love. Looking through the lens of what someone can see past what they currently are. That's a great leader, man. That's David. Hey, this is worth a read, guys. Let's read this. Here's where they were. We knew them when. So that was then. Let's go to 2 Samuel 23, and we'll see who they became. I'm in verse 8. This is at the end of David's life, actually. So the first one was in 1 Samuel 22. We're almost on the entire book later. In 2 Samuel 23, it says, These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb, Beshebeth, a Tachemite, which was chief of the three. He raised a spear against 800 men. He raised his one spear to 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Verse 9, Next to him was Eliezer. Eliezer's cool. He's son of Dodai, the Ahite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdamin for battle, and the Israelites retreated. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck the Philistines until his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought such a great victory that day, the troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Verse 11. Next to him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a full field of beans, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took the stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought a great victory. Hey, here's the message for you guys. I'm going to defend my beans. Defend your beans. Yeah. Verse 13, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while the band of Philistines was encamped at the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison against, uh, was at Bethlehem. David longed for water, he said. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord as an offering. Far be it from me, he said, Lord, to do this. He said, it is, not the, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their own lives? And David would not drink it. Now, we might be thinking, well, David, these people just risked their lives for you. Why don't you drink the water? Because it was more of an honor to pour it back to the Father than it was for him to consume it. Verse, um, 
Yeah, 18. But the, such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Verse 18. Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed. 300 men, guys. 300 men whom he killed. And so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander even though he was not included among them. Verse 20, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabazil, performed, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. Moab, by the way, was where giants lived. I'm assuming they were giants. That's where all the giants came from, or large men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. There's a day for you. Hello, lion. I'm going to go kill you and I'm going to chase you and kill you. Yeah. He, uh, he also struck down a huge Egyptian. We call this an OBE. One big Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, check this out, Benaiah went against him with a club. <laughs> he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in great honor. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. I would too. Yeah. What up, dude? Yeah, I know you got a spear. Look what I got. <laughs> I got a club. Right? I'm going to take your spear and I'm going to kill it for you. I'm going to kill you with it. I'm going to kill you with your own spear. Dude, these were, these were crazy men. These were mighty men, but they didn't start that way. See, sometimes in our lives, we're like, man, I wish I could be like that guy. Be careful what you wish for. You see a little sliver of that guy's life. You see a little sliver of that woman of God's life. You don't know the pain they've walked through. You don't know the gaff they just came through. You don't know the crushing that they've had to walk through. You don't know the emotional distress and disorder and discontentment and death that they had to deal with. You want that? Go to Gath. You want to walk that life? Go to Gath. You got to stop at Gath before you get to Wadulam. These guys were wrecks, man. But a book later, they were known as mighty warriors. Okay, so let's get some life lessons out of this. Two guys stick out to me, although all of them are doing crazy things. I'm thinking 800 people. 800 people and a guy standing there with a spear. Come on. Is that all you got? Wah, 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 wah. Come on. Is that what you got? Wah, wah, wah. I mean, it was like, you know, Bruce Lee on steroids, man. He had nothing on him. You know, it's like Leonidas at the wall. Come on! Those guys just fire me up! 800 men. These guys were doing great things. The two of these guys captured my heart, captured my, <laughs> my eye. All right, check it out. Eliezer, first one, verses 9 and 10. Next to him, this would have been the second of the three mighty men, the mightiest of the men, was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David. Now check this out. He was with David. Remember, David's not installed as king yet. Saul's still king. The Israelites still have an army, right? 
the Israelites are taunting the Philistines. You know, doing the na 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 song. They're taunting the Philistines, and the Philistines are like, I've about had it with you little people. I've about had it. We're about ready to come up there and kick your butts. We're about ready to come up there and give you what you're asking for. So here they are. The, the whole army is na 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 the Philistines. Then the Israelites split. Ha! Hey, we really got them guys going. I mean, it's like that little kid on the block. You know what I mean? It's like that one kid. Hey, is that all you got? And you just pummel him as he gets up. Is that all you got? You know, as he's falling backwards. Is that all you got? Dude? Just stop, please. Okay? That's kind of like the Israelites were. Is that all you got, Philistines? Oh, just kidding. Let's get out of here. And they, they split. But Eliezer, it says, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Think about that. He's like standing there. Guys, where are you going? This is just about to get good. Where are you going? This is our perhaps God moment. Where, where's everybody running to? This is our moment of glory, not our moment of defeat. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Watch this. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Man, isn't that always the case? It seems like you're the only one standing. You're the only one fighting. You're, everybody's left you. And then when there's a great victory, people come back and go, Man, wow, well done, bro. Well done. How about we split some of the spoils now? Right? We're, we're here to help now. Yeah, strip the dead. You're taking all the sword and the spoil. I'm just standing here by myself. Where you guys been? This guy is cool. When faced with a mighty cause, the odds are against you. People... Check this, my friends. When you're faced with a mighty cause and the odds are against you, people are going to quit. They're going to leave. They're going to split. They're going to get scared. You cannot. You cannot. We're faced with a mighty cause here in Colorado Springs. I know, I know we're not fighting with real swords. We're not fighting you know, flesh and blood today, standing in the middle of you know, 800 men with a spear. But our battle is just the same against the spirits and those in high places. Now our weapons are not formed now with hands that we can see, but our weapons are formed by the Holy Spirit. The shields of faith and the word of the Spirit and the sword of Spirit and helmet of salvation. You cannot quit. Eliezer Hank clung so tightly to his sword that his hand stuck to it. So tight. That his hands are okay. Life lessons from Eliezer. Number one, it might not even be your fight. It might not even be your fight. Eliezer's just standing there with the crew. Hey, this is cool. We got a whole army here. This is awesome. Finally, right? He's got a sword. He might be sitting over there sharpening on a stone. Man, finally, we got we got some good backup. This is really good. This is going to be good. And then every, everybody else that was taunting him, taunting the enemy, leaves. You know, it's like. Come on, devil. Is that all you got? Come on. We're going to claim the city of Colorado Springs. And then everybody splits and you're standing there like, oh, crap. Man, thanks. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thank you. And you're standing there alone with a sword in your hand. Like, okay. Hey, man, this is our perhaps God moment. Perhaps God will show up. Perhaps he won't. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Let's go. Let's go, boys. Others may quit. You may not. That's the second life lesson. You're going to find people all around you quitting. 
When they quit, when it gets tough, they quit out of fear. They quit out of, out of anger. They quit out of spite. They quit out of, of, of weariness. You cannot, we cannot quit. We cannot quit. There are, there are those, there are people here in our city in debt, distressed, and discontented looking for this cave. They're looking for this cave. They're looking for churches just like this all over the city. Hey, what do you guys got? You got anything for me? You know, I don't know. The church gives them a breath mint and tells them to have a seat in the back seat and fill out a visitor's card. That's what you got for me? I really need something more. See, I've already had the breath mint. I've already had the visitor's card. I've already had the coffee mug. I need something more. I need to rally around something that's bigger. I need to rally. Hey, I want to give my life away to something. You got it? You got any of that floating around here? You got any life-giving causes I can get involved in? Hey, you got anything I can give my life to? Maybe, uh, hopefully we have the answer. So yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's called discipleship. It's called life in Christ. It's called community. It's called culture. And it's called loving our Creator. That's what we're about. Come on, jump in. Jump in. Number three, hang on to the thing that God gave you. I love the story of Moses. Remember, God said, this is your staff. Pick it up, right? God gave him his staff. And every time God wanted him to do something supernatural outside of Moses' control, God would say what? Throw down your staff. Touch the water with your staff. And one time he asked him, Jesus, he said, you know, remember he said, Father, man, I got nothing to go before Pharaoh. And God asked him, hey, bud, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Ask yourself that tonight. What has God given me in my hand? Maybe I have the spirit of compassion. Maybe I have the spirit of love. Maybe I have the spirit of hospitality. Maybe I have the spirit of service. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to teach. Maybe I'm supposed to preach. Maybe I'm supposed to write. Maybe I'm supposed to lead. Whatever is in your hand, God said, that's what I've given you. Cling to it and don't let it go. The cool thing about this, my friends, is that once you cling to it so hard, it starts clinging to you. I mean, you don't know where it ends and you begin. It's just stuck. It's just there, man. You cannot let it go and it won't let go of you. Cling to it. That's what's in your hand. Benaiah. Here's the second guy that sticks out to me. Verses 20 through 21 says this. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabziel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. These were the champions of the nation of Moab. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I like this guy. And he struck down an OBE, one big Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. I like this guy. I like these guys. Life lessons from Benaiah. Don't let opportunity get away. Don't let opportunity get away. Chase the lion. Listen, can you get your head around this for a minute? Hey, Benaiah, what are you going to do today? I don't know. I see this lion running around every morning. I'm going to go chase him. I mean, imagine the kind of guys these were. These were like the, you know, the Spartans, the 300, and I think that even probably falls short of their real character. 
hey, so what are you going to do today? I don't know, I saw this Philistine over there. He's got a big spear. I mean, it's Egyptian. I think I'm going to take it from him, and I'm going to kill him with it. Dude, you rock. Man, I wish I was like you, dude. What are you going to do today? I mean, this, can you imagine these guys sitting around a table, a campfire, kind of challenging each other? Hey, dude, so what are you, you going to do today? Huh? Dude, I saw this Moabite. He's like seven foot two. I think I'm going to take him out. Dude, I thought, I thought there was two of them. Even better. Yeah! You know, they all grab a beer. Yeah! Awesome! And these were mighty men. They were crazy. They're emotionally distant. I mean, like people like William Wallace, all those nuts that he gathered around him. I and mean, those are the kind of people. It's like the guy, you know, the guy in the Patriot. And the son says, Dad, these are not the men we need. And, the, and Mel Gibson says, Are you kidding me? These are exactly the kind of men we need. A little nutty. A little off, they got nothing to lose. They've already been crushed and broken to gas. They say, hey, what's up? You got something for me to give my life to? Oh, do I get to kill some redcoats? <laughs> you betcha. Oh, good, sign me up. Do I get to kill some Moabites? You betcha, sign me up. Do I get to slay some demons? You betcha, sign me up. Don't be ruled by fear. Hey, Benaiah, good morning, good morning. How's your coffee? <laughs> Strong, man, like I like it. Cool. What are you going to do today? There's a lion in a pit. I'm going to go kill it. Right on. You know, it's snowing out, right? I know. You know, it's nasty. The weather's bad. I know. You're going to go kill a lion in a pit. You betcha. Life lesson. Don't let opportunity get away. It's right in front of you every single day. Are you willing to face your fear? Are you willing to face your fears? Go down into a pit and take the prize. I know it's hard for us to get our brains around this, isn't it? Especially today, in like World Wildlife Relief and everything, and you know, adopt a cat in Africa and adopt dogs and pet shelters and stuff. And you know, we don't we don't really we don't, we can't really associate our culture with this. That's just mean. I mean, why would he go kill a lion for no reason? I, I don't because it's cool. I don't know. Because he wanted the mane. He wanted to wear a mane. Hey, you know, by the way, they always got to keep the, keep the spoils from their kills, right? You know, imagine Benaiah walking around. Dude, where did you get those teeth? <laughs> a lion. Was it dead? No, I killed it. And he walks around the rest of his life with a mane over his head. With the teeth coming down his you know, forehead. Dude, that is one bad dude. With a club. Oh, and an Egyptian spear. <laughs> I like these guys. Number two, hey, when an enemy holds something that is yours, you have the authority to take it and kill him with it. Are you guys tracking with me? Am I getting a little, I might be a little emotionally unstable tonight. I'm even one of these guys running from gas. When an enemy comes and he's got something that is yours, you have the authority to say, that is mine, I'm taking it, and I'm killing you with it. In other words, what does the enemy love more than anything? People. He holds people. He holds people in his power. He holds people in their own lives. He holds people in their own fears. He holds people in their own distresses. And we can tell them with authority, hey, you one big Egyptian, those are our people. And we are going to take them from you, and then we're going to use them to kill you. Ha! Can you imagine... If these are the bedtime stories we told our boys and our girls, 
You know, Colin and Stephanie named Benaniah after Benaniah. It's his namesake. Imagine the stories. Hey, let me tell you, son, where your name came from. I promise you he probably will not have a question of whether he's a man or a woman. I can probably assure you in that. He will know who he is in Christ Jesus. He won't, he won't, and by the way, women will know that he is a man of God as well. I think today when we tell our, we tell our men and our boys stories like this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be Neanderthalic. I'm not trying to be, you know, oh, let's go, go, go kill a lion just for the fun of it. No, you know, respect God's creation. I get all that. My God, I'm in Colorado. <clears throat> That's a little joke. All right. But imagine if we were to really begin to teach our men what it was like to be real men. And what it was like to walk around in authority, not, not, not cut off at the knees as so many, as Carl has said so many times, he can't even watch sitcoms anymore because of the way they, de- they demise the male figure in every single sitcom. The dad's an idiot, the, the uncle's whatever, you know, the, the sons are losers, and there's no men. Where are our men? Where's our men saying today, what are you, hey, what are you going to do today? I'm going to go kill a lion, dude. Sweet. Can I come with you? Can I give my life to that? You betcha. Come on. Let's go do something. Let's go give our lives away for something greater. We're all so stinking bored. We're all so, we're all so anesthetized. Did you see that video where the angel is like spitting out the, the pills that, this, this, the, that they were trying to give her? That's this generation. Oh, you're acting too, you're acting a little out of control. Let me drug you with some ADHD medication. Because, I mean, I've never heard of so many people having ADD and ADHD. I mean, you know what we called them when we were kids? Boys! <laughs> you know, there was a label on, in first grade. I'll never forget this name. William Patterson. My first grade, I was at Trinity Lutheran School. William Patterson loved to decorate his desk with crayon. Remember the old metal desk that had a wooden chair attached to it and the top would pop up and that's where you had all your books and stuff? And he, and he would take his desk every day, William Patterson, and he would draw around his desk a flames, lights, cars, head, I mean, eyeballs, nose, mouth, face, fangs, and every day he'd get in trouble. And you know what the label was on William? Oh, he's, he's hyper. He's hyperactive. I'm like, cool, man, he's a good artist. I was in first grade, I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, he's hyper. I didn't know what hyper meant. I honestly thought for several years that hyper meant that you drew on your desks. Do you draw on your, oh, you're hyper. You must be hyper. I'm not hyper, I like drawing. I like drawing. Oh, I think that's hyperactive, dude. I'm not sure, but you know, I'm third grade, I know. Women would know what a real man was. <laughs> Men would know what a real man was. Get rid of the excuse. God gives us just the right people at just the right time to accomplish just the right things that he wants completed in his kingdom. Look at You're looking around going, my God, Jesus, are, are, are these our mighty men? Yes. Are these our mighty women? Yes. You mean the, the lady that walked in off the street tonight, she's one of our, yes. She's a mighty woman. She doesn't know it yet, but she is. This is a long process, guys. This doesn't happen overnight. Mighty men and women don't get created overnight. Mighty men and women don't walk up to a platform somewhere in some stage or a business or even a church or whatever and, you know, start to just pour out some great anointing without first visiting Gath and first being crushed and broken and bruised and poured out. 
And they get to the cave of Adullam where you're thinking, this is not how I expected God's glory to be revealed. And he's like, it's hidden. It's going to be a secret. I'm hiding you because it's more fun that way. You see, hiding in a cave, God gets so much glory than, than screaming at the top of a mountaintop. Hide in a cave. It's a good place to be. Get rid of the excuses because God gives us our people. Hey, who's God given you? I don't know what you do. Whatever you do in your job, customers you have, students you teach, people that you're around, people that you have influence over, people you're working with every day, patients, customers, students, family, churches. Are they in debt? Do they owe more than they're worth? Do they feel like they have no self-worth? That's what really in debt means, that they don't know what they're worth. They're slave. They're a slave to something. Someone's chasing them. Maybe that's some people that God's sending you. How about this? They're in distress. They're completely emotionally out of control. I mean, you can't look at them cross-eyed and without them start to cry and flip out and you think, oh, what did I say? What did I do? I can't say anything to you. Are you, you know, whatever. You're emotionally, you're in distress. Maybe that's God's sending you. Thirdly, are they discontented? Discontented simply means I'm looking for something more. Are they looking for something more? I believe there's people all around us in these three categories looking for something more, emotionally uh, traumatized or in debt. Maybe God is just waiting for us to see the gifts hidden inside these people that are all around us. All right, let's wrap it up. Here's some life lessons from the stories, from these, from these unsung heroes. Number one, don't ever judge where someone is. God may be working out something amazing in them. Don't ever judge where someone is. You don't know where they are on their journey. You just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, Teresa and I have been on both sides of this. We've accused and then we've defended. We've accused people who were, you know, we didn't think as far along as they should be. And the same hand when we learned our lessons and we went through Gath, <laughs> we had a lot more compassion for those who were in the middle of something. And then we began to defend. And I, here's another thing, guys. When you begin to defend people who are in the middle of their journey, you're probably going to lose some friends. You know what? And that's going to be okay. That's baggage you don't need. That helps you run a little freer. You're probably going to lose some friends. Secondly, don't ever disqualify anyone because of their lack. You say, well, you just don't have what it takes. You don't have the right, you don't have the right pedigree. You don't have the right past. You don't have the right background. Was your dad a pastor? What denomination are you from? No? Well, you can't, no, you can't be here. You know, don't ever disqualify someone because of their lack. You don't have the right clothes. You don't have the right money. You don't have the right car. You Guys, I'm telling you, we pass over gold every day because we don't see it. Diamonds that are waiting just to be rubbed out, we don't see it. Number three, don't walk away from the emotionally needed, needy. They may be just one. They may just kill one big Egyptian for you someday. Think about it. If David were to turn Eliezer and Benaiah away because of their weirdness, he wouldn't have had a bodyguard. He wouldn't have had the victories that he had. He wouldn't have had these mighty men at the end of his life where he's speaking, they're speaking life over him and he's speaking life over them. That's what it's all about. He had 47 at the end of the day out of 400 that were his mighty men. Don't walk away from the emotionally needy. If you, and by the way, if you see it, embrace it. 
Well, they just, they're, just, they're just needy people. Yeah, they are. You know why they, they're needy? Because they need you. They need you. We need each other. I mean, we talk about community all the time. And then when community is just trying to happen, we tend to, to run from it because it's, it doesn't look like we thought it would. Oh, that, they, 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 they don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't talk like me. Ugh, they don't live where I live. Yeah, no, I'm not in. That's the truth. Don't turn away the emotionally needy. Finally, people who are discontent, they are just looking for something more. Make sure we see that. Come on, stand with me tonight. <clears throat> oh, hey, this was fun. Man, I love these guys. I love these stories. They're crazy, if you think about it. They're crazy stories. They, today, they don't make any sense. You know, go kill an Egyptian. Sweet. What are you going to do? I'm going to go pick out, I'm going to go pick a fight. I'm going to go pick a fight. Now, you know, we've all been told, oh, don't do that because you don't know what you're in for. Oh, these guys knew what they were in for. See, when you're broken and crushed and poured out, nothing can hurt you anymore. What, what can come against you when you're just completely broken and crushed and poured out? I've got no ego left, <laughs> right? I've, I've got nothing to defend. I've got my, my honor is in his hands. My reputation is in his hands. What then can men do to me? What can they say? I might as well go ahead and go fight a giant. I might as well go ahead and go pick a fight. I might as well go ahead and claim a city. Father, in Jesus' name, and thank you for these dear friends gathered tonight, family and friends and loved ones, and this is our family. I pray, God, we take some of these life lessons with us now, God, as we... we man, listen, fellow, my friends, look, the last thing I want is for us to just hear a cool message and not be able to put our lives in the, in the paint bucket and apply it to something. Tonight, we, we mixed up some paint. Now it's our job to take our lives as brushes and paint it out where you are. Apply it. Apply it. Father, help us with these things to not turn away the needy, to not turn away the in debt, to not turn away the, the discontent. Help us, first of all, to recognize who these are. They're all around us every day. I pray, God, that you would strengthen our resolve as a people and as a church. Lord, even as that young, that woman came in with a family tonight, I pray, Father, that you would bless her and her family. But you've asked us to be the hands and feet of that. So I'm going to close with this tonight. My friends, a lady came in tonight, and she has just moved here from Texas, spoke with Colin. She's staying at a Days Inn over by Famous Days. Her last uh, day, she's paid up for till tomorrow. If you wouldn't mind, just give them a little extra tonight. Just walk by the basket, put, put something in there, write a check, put something in there for this lady. We want to bless her. We want to, that's what we're here for. And if, I'm telling you guys, I, I felt like everything lined up tonight. God's like, oh, you're going to talk about those three things? Cool, I'm going to send you one. She came to our cave tonight looking for something more looking for help see here's what we do oh she's probably scamming us you know that's not really up to us it's really not up to us it doesn't have to go through our filter so if you wouldn't mind if you got some extra bucks throw them about the basket if you want to write a check out to keystone that'd be great we'll get it to her i really want to bless this lady i don't know i i, I don't know where she came from how she got here how she found us but she walked up to the cave and said you got anything for me I'm busted, I'm in debt, I'm starting over. Listen, 
That lady might kill an Egyptian for you someday. You don't know. She might go and kill a lion someday. She might stand and defend a field of beans. She might kill 800 of the enemy's strongest and stand there and rejoice with those who come after while they strip the spoils. You don't know. Bless her tonight. Thank you guys. I think that's good. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Have fun. Hang out.